you have your Bible, and I do this week, I have it. And if you have your Bible, open it up to Genesis 11. We'll get there eventually, but uh, that way you'll be ready. But let me begin this morning by asking you this question. If you could give a gift that would be suitable and satisfying for the whole world, what would that gift be? If you could give any gift, but it would be suitable and satisfying to the whole world, what would you give? And I would say to you this morning that the greatest gift God has ever given the world is his living and written word. His living and written word. And why do I say that? Because according to Romans ten seventeen, faith comes by hearing, the name of Scott's organization. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. It's only by receiving the word of God and hearing it and, and having God work on your heart that faith is given to us. The word of God is the only gift that can be given anywhere in the world and guaranteed to always bear eternal fruit and eternal joy. Think about that. You can take the Word of God anywhere, in any situation, to any people group, no matter what trials. If they're in a valley, doesn't matter. If they're on a mountaintop, doesn't matter. God will meet their need. And, and realize, in light of Romans ten seventeen, this is the greatest gift for an unsaved person. We can talk to unsaved people till we're blue in the face, but until we begin to share with them the word of God, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the message of Christ. But it's also the greatest gift that, an uns- uh, that a saved person can receive. The gospel is not just for the lost, it's for the saved. Because we still need to live by faith. Because, listen... Uh, when, when it says, when Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, he goes on in chapter uh, uh, 1 and verse 17, he says this, For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as is written, but the righteous man shall live by faith. From faith to to faith, initial faith, ongoing faith. And the righteous man or woman must live by faith. But where's faith come from? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So our project that we're celebrating of funding the Gospel of Mark for the Maconde people was all about re-gifting this greatest gift to the people group of the Maconde. And so here's the question. How important is God's greatest gift in reaching the unreached? How important is God's greatest gift in reaching the unreached? And I would say to you, fulfilling the Great Commission calls for getting God's word to people in a language they understand, preferably their heart language, and in a way they have access to And that's not just print. That's print. That's audio. That's deaf sign language. It's any and every way. And you know we support missionary partners that are involved in all these ways. And if if you want to hear more about that, come Thursday when Scott is here and he's going to tell you about some of these exciting ways. Now, 
when we were talking about these things in our grow group uh, last week, someone asked a great question. What is a heart language? What's that mean? Sometimes we use these words that we may be familiar with, but others aren't. What is a heart language? Here's how I define it. It's the language you dream in. Okay, it's the language you dream in. If you know more than one language, your heart language is the language you dream in. It's the language that when you hear it, it makes your heart sing with understanding instead of struggle to understand. All right. And so we have people in our church who have a home language or a heart language and English is their second language. Their heart language might be Tagalog. It might be French. It might be Spanish. And it's the language that they are most comfortable speaking, most comfortable hearing and the one that they can understand easiest. Now, last week we looked at our heart for every missionary and how we need to relate and refresh these guests that are coming Wednesday, beginning Wednesday at 7. Today I want us to look at God's heart for every language group. God's heart for getting his word into the heart language of every language group. Now when you talk about God's heart for language, where would you go in the Bible? Where would you go in the Bible to see God's heart for languages. Now, during missions, and maybe most of you would say, well, probably Revelation 5 and Revelation 9. Revelation 5 and Revelation 9. Why do, I, why do I say that? Because here's what Revelation 5, 9, and 10 says. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the book and break the seals, for you were slain and purchased for God with your blood and purchased for God with your blood, men from every tribe, and then it says, and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to our God, and they will reign on the earth. And then in Revelation 7 9, he says it again. After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude which had no no one could count from every tribe and all tribes and peoples, and language. He emphasizes language. He could have said all tribes, all nations, but there are dialects and there are languages that God has a heart for. But we often go to these two chapters, Revelation 5 and 9, but they're at the end of God's big story of the Bible. That's at the end. But God's heart for languages is from the beginning the middle and the end of the entire story of the Bible. And that's what I want to show you this morning. On this Sunday, when we're celebrating the completion of the Maconde New Testament, I want us to see God's heart for this project so that we look at it with the right motives and for the right reasons. So that we see that ultimately, as our theme this week is, He is worthy of this endeavor, that God's heart is in it, and God is glorified by it because God has a heart for languages and for people groups that speak different languages. And we're so used to English being a universal, a literally, our language is literally a global trade language. And we have been spoiled by that, 
And we can become an arrogant by that. And we can feel entitled to that. We can actually go on mission trips to another uh, language group, uh, to another country that speaks a different language and say, and order something and say, why don't you guys speak English, right? Because we feel entitled to that kind of, but the reality is God has a heart for every language and every language group. So here's what I want to give you this morning. Five facts, five facts about God's heart for every people group receiving his word in their heart language. Five facts about God's heart for every people group receiving his word in their heart language. And here's the first fact, and it's simply this. God uses language to accomplish his purposes. God uses language spoken, written, and the living to accomplish his purposes. And I kind of gave you a, a, I didn't kind of, I gave you an overview there in your notes of God's big story from creation to new creation. And as you trace God's big story through the Bible, you find that God always uses language. And no sooner do we get to Genesis 1-1, where God creates the heavens and the earth, how did he create everything? How did everything that exists come into existence? And God said. And God said. And God said, there's no, there's no, he didn't start with anything except the power, the creative power of his written word. He didn't start with anything. He simply spoke everything into existence. And God said, let there be, and there was. But then we're going to see today that humanity rebelled against his word and rebelled against his commands. We come to redemption. In the beginning, isn't it amazing that in John 1, 1, that when John begins to tell the good news about Jesus Christ writing what's wrong in the world, he begins with the same words from Genesis 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus is the living, spoken Word of God, and salvation comes through the Word. Even condemnation, when we go to Revelation 19, when this living word comes back to bring final judgment to the world and to right every wrong and bring the justice and the right order to things, guess what? From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. And he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of his wrath, of, of the wrath of God Almighty. How is all that going to take place? It's going to, he's going to literally come, but he's going to speak forth judgment. And it's going to be like a sword of judgment that will fall. But then you come to the new creation. How is the new creation going to happen? Well, it happens through the new covenant. And in Hebrews 18, it says these words. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws into their minds and write them on their hearts and I will be their God. You know how our salvation is possible? It's because God's spirit 
has taken God's word, his holy revelation, and written it onto the hearts of believers. Now, there's a lot of theology that we can unpack with that. But what I want you to see is from the very beginning to the salvation in Jesus to the final new creation, all is accomplished by his word. I can't emphasize enough that God uses language to accomplish his purposes. And by language, I mean the written, spoken, and living word of God. So let me ask you this morning, how strong is your grip on God's word? How strong is your grip on God's word? If you've been through our discipleship process, these images are familiar to you, and I'm not going to go through them. They're fun to go through. Uh, our, our grow group a couple of weeks ago sat down and we, we did the whole illustration of holding the Bible with just your little pinky or with two fingers or three. But the way to get a strong grip on the Word of God is to hear it consistently, read it consistently, study it on a regular basis, memorize it, which many of us are weak at, but it's the real key. It's the pointing finger. By memorization... You're able to point people to the Word of God because you have it all always ready in your heart. That's, what Je- that's how Jesus withstood temptation. He had the Word of God. And the way you know how to use the Word of God, you use that thumb to touch each one of those. You meditate on what you hear. That's why we offer notes, so you can meditate on what you're hearing during the week. You meditate on what you read, not to just mark it off as there, I've read my Bible, but to meditate on it. And then to meditate on what you study. And don't freak out about studying, you know, like you have to have a Bible degree or you have to uh, be, you know, a pastor or something to study the Bible. You know what you need to do to study the Bible? Get a piece of paper and a pen, read, reflect, and write. That's that's the most basic way to study the Bible. You say, well, that sounds too simplistic. No, I'm telling you, there's a reason a lot of people don't do this because Satan doesn't want us to do that. Because when you write that which God is speaking to you, there is power in that. And, of course, you can expand that study to, you know, you can go crazy with it uh, like some of us had. So you can do that. But here's the thing. God is speaking but are we listening to preaching on a consistent basis? God is speaking, but are we reading the Bible on a consistent basis? Like it's a love letter from him. Uh, God is speaking, but are we studying it with others? That's why we have this discovery hour. So you can say, yes, I am studying. So look at your neighbor and say, yeah, I'm studying it with others. I am here. Okay, you're here. And that's what this is for. Our grow groups are for that as well. God is speaking, but are we memorizing it? Like I said, I mean, think about this. Jesus is the living word, and he memorized the word. Okay? And he didn't just do that by divine download, you know, because he was the son of God. No. From an early age throughout his life, he had the word of God memorized and at the ready when he was tempted. And then God is speaking, but are we meditating on this so that we know... From 1 Timothy 3.16, what is the right path? How to stay on the right path? How to recognize when we've gotten off on the broad way? And how to receive correction? Those are the four aspects that God is constantly doing. 
And there's a reason why when I'm out of sorts with God, I don't go to the Word of God. You know why? Because as soon as I get in there, I'm going to realize, oh, I'm not on the right path. I'm going to get reproof. I'm going to get loving correction. And I'm going to get, and that's, those are all good things. But when we're out of sorts with God, we don't want to be in His Word. And here's another thing to think about. If that isn't happening during your time in God's Word, then your time in God's Word is not benefiting you. There's something wrong in how you're engaging the Word. So, you know, a lot of times people say, I'm not getting anything out of the Bible, but I I don't think they're going to the Bible to receive doctrine, reproof, correction, and instruction in righteousness. So what does fallen humanity do with this great gift? That's the second fact I want to give you. Sinful humanity abused having one language to rebel against God's purposes. So God uses language for his purposes. But sinful humanity used one language to rebel against God's purposes. And that's why I want you to go to Genesis 11. So, hopefully you're already there. Genesis 11, and let's read verses 1 through 4. Now the whole earth used the same language and the same words. Wouldn't that be, just think of the blessing of that. You could talk to anyone, anywhere, at any time. And you would be understood, and you would understand them. And it came about as they journeyed east... They found a plain in the land of Shinar, which is where Babylon is located, and they settled there. And they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they used brick for stone, and they used tar for mortar. Mortar, mortar. Sorry about that. I'm like Mordor. I don't know. I'm a little Lord of the Rings got in there. Mortar. I, I had a speech impediment when I was a kid, R's and L's, so sometimes that creeps, creeps back into my speech. Now, what I want you to see about verse 3 is that is advanced technology. I mean, you ought to put in your margin of your Bible, that is advanced technology. So they're using cutting-edge technology and clear communication to do what? Verse 4, and they said, Come, let us build for ourselves a city and a tower whose top will reach into the heaven and let us make a name for ourselves, uh, let us make for ourselves a name. Otherwise, we will be scattered abroad over the whole face of the earth, over the whole earth. Now, here's what I want you to see. We can't go into detail in this story, but I want you to see in verse 1, they all had the same language and the same words. In fact, that second uh, aspect, same language, same words, all the way down to the vocabulary and, and, and just what came out of their mouths, it literally says they had the same lip. The lips are what we speak with, and they all had the same language coming out. But look at what they did with it. And that was a blessing. But instead, they took the blessing of one language to rebel and build for themselves, verse 4, a city and a tower and make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered. So here's what I want you to see. Unbelieving humanity 
used one language and the latest technology to fulfill their purposes for their glory. They fulfilled their purposes for their glory. And what was that? To build up a city of materialism for themselves. They made a city, and it was going to be a city focused on this earth and satisfying themselves. They built a tower of idolatry that literally, they called it the gate of God. We are going to literally build our way and work our way and reason our way and invent our way up to God. And then they wanted to build a reputation for their glory instead of God. And they wanted to build this secure place where they could all be one people fulfilling their purposes for their glory. That's what they did. Now, what you see is a big contrast between how God uses language for his glory and how sinful humanity uses language for their own glory. And so there's a right way and a wrong way to use language. But notice, what are God's purposes for humanity from the very beginning? From the very beginning in Genesis 1, 27 through 28, God's purposes are totally contrary to what they tried to do in building the Tower of Babel. And so let's look at Genesis 1. 27 through 28. Here's what it, here's God's purpose. And this is from the very beginning. Genesis 1. This is God's purpose from the beginning. And it's still his purpose. Notice what it says. 127. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created him. And God blessed them. And God said to them. Now notice. Be fruitful and multiply And fill the earth. In other words, go to the farthest corners. Don't just gather in one place for your glory. No, scatter to the ends of the earth and fill it with my glory by being my image bearers and reproducing my image and filling the earth with my image for my glory and for your good. And so that was his purposes there. His purpose is to worship him and become more like him. That's what imaging God means. His purpose was to reproduce that image in ourselves and others. His image was to fill the earth with the fame of his name. That's what missions is all about. It was to get out of a holy huddle and go tell others of his greatness and goodness. Well, in the New Testament, Jesus says the same thing, and it's called the Great Commission. The Great Commission is merely the fulfillment of Genesis 1, 26 through 28 in a spiritual manner. So let's listen to Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Go, therefore, don't stay in a holy huddle. Go, therefore, and make disciples. In other words, reproduce my Christ-like image in others. Make disciples of all nations. Go out and fill the earth, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, 
And how do you do this? Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded. And behold, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. This is the purpose. God's purpose has always been to fulfill the Great Commission. And the way that takes place is through God's word in God's in people's heart languages. But, but unsaved humanity is still rebelling against God's revealed purposes. And you know what we're doing? In this day and age, as we get better communication, we have more communication and better communication than any other time in the history of the human race. Would you agree? We have it. I mean, we carry it around with us. Okay, we've got like a bigger computer. I mean, it's like when you compare the computer that sent men to the moon, we have more computing power and communication power in our smartphones and we have the latest technology. And yet, what are we doing with that technology? We're building up a city of materialism for ourselves. We're building a tower of idolatry for ourselves or really of ourselves because really so much of technology which is centered in smartphones is really self-idolization and then building a name and a reputation for ourselves building a secure place where we can be secure isolated insulated to do our purposes and not god's now let's look at this next uh slide you have it in your notes i mean i think it's fascinating how someone has tied some of the most basic sins to our technology. And what are we doing? And how are we tempted? So the question is this. For whose purposes are we using the latest technology and means of communication to further? God's or our own? I think that's a pretty significant question. Maybe a little too early in the morning to be asking that, but I think it's worth reflecting on, okay? And, and that's taking the Tower of Babel, that's taking what happened in Genesis 11 and planting it, so, uh, planting it right at the heart of who we are. But there's a third fact, and it, it's this. God scattered humanity with many languages as a judgment for sin and a hope for salvation. So the third fact about God's heart for people is he scattered humanity with many languages as a judgment for sin and a hope for salvation. So I hope you still have Genesis 11 there uh, open in your Bible. So let's keep reading what happens in the story and let's go from verse 5 to 9. Notice what it says. The Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they all have the same language, and this is what they began to do. And now nothing which they purpose to do will be impossible. What he's saying is, look, they're already purposing to do evil. And if I let them continue on on this, the, the, the evil that they will produce is unlimited. And since this came after the flood, you know what that would imply. Judgment would fall. And so what's he say? Verse 7. Come, let us go down there and confuse their language that they may not understand one another's speech. 
So the Lord scattered them from abroad, uh, scattered them abroad from there over the face of the whole earth. Interesting. And they stopped building the city. Therefore, its name was called Babel, which in Hebrew means confusion, because there the Lord confused the language of the whole earth. And from there, the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of the earth. Now, here's what's interesting. Is the Tower of Babel was built in the land of Babylon. And Babylon gets his name from this event. Because in the Hebrew, Babel means confusion. But the Hebrew word for Babel sounds very similar to the Babylonian word, which means gate of God. So what's going on is fallen humanity is building their own pathway to salvation, and they're calling it the gate of God, but it sounds, it's a word play, it sounds just like the Hebrew for confusion. And the point is, when we pursue our own purposes for our own glory, we think we're on track, and God says it's just a confused mess. It's a confused mess that will bring judgment. Fallen humanity use clear communication to rebel. God's judgment on them was confusing, was to confuse their clear communication. And out of that came all the languages of the world. So that they couldn't concentrate in one place and unite to rebel against God with clear communication. But there's good news with the bad news. And here's a principle I want to give you. God saves through judgment. When God judges, His intention, His gracious intention, is to bring salvation to those who will humbly repent at His judgment. There is judgment here. But notice, the judgment prevents further rebellion by humanity. He scatters, he, he, he confuses their language so they won't do greater sin together. So the judgment was an act of mercy. And because they couldn't talk to one another, they began to scatter over the face of the earth. Well, that was God's purposes from the beginning. So again, in the judgment of scattering, God is setting up his purposes. And so now we live in a world filled with all these different languages scattered all over the world. And it's a setup for God's purposes to be accomplished. But that's going to require Bible translation. So you see that. It's interesting that this, the climax of this story is that he scattered them abroad. Look at verse 9, the, the climax of the story. And I had a sneaking suspicion, and I looked it up, and sure enough, it's true. That idea of scattering has the idea of sowing seed. And it also has the idea of when you're, uh, uh, of, of chaff, the leftover junk from wheat harvest, and it blows in the wind. So he's doing, it's interesting, he's scattering them out so that the seed of the gospel will come to them, but he's also scattering them out as chaff in judgment. I, I, I just found that interesting, so I shared it with you. So here's the bottom line. The approximately 4,000 languages of the world 
that still need a Bible in their own language is a curse. It's a difficulty we have to overcome. How many of you have ever been to another country on a missions trip, missions campaign, and you fell in love with people that you wanted to share the gospel and you just couldn't communicate? And you're just frustrated because you want to share the gospel with them, right? Or maybe Randy, just at home, I don't know. Uh, just, uh, you know, there's different, you know, different, we have different dynamics going on here. But the idea is it's a curse, but it's also a blessing from God. Because these groups are around the world, and when the gospel penetrates a group like that, it can spread like wildfire to the rest of the people. So here, here's the reminder. When we think about 4,000 languages that still exist without a Bible in their heart language, right? We want to remember two things. It's a reminder that we can't reason our own way to God. It's, these languages are there because of Babel where man tried to work, reason, and invent his way to God. And it's sad that among many Christians today who are involved in missions, that they think these people are somehow going to get saved through dreams or visions without the Word of God coming to them through a messenger or maybe through audio or through technology, but ultimately through the Word of God. So it's a reminder that this isn't going to happen apart from what? Revelation. God's word. Why? Because God always uses language to accomplish his purposes. And he spreads it through the revealed word. Well, that reminds us that getting to zero languages without God's word is a problem that we've got to overcome. But it's a promise that it will be overcome according to Revelation 5 and 9. In Revelation 5 and 9, there will be some from every language group around the throne of God. But the only way that's going to happen, God's not going to reveal it from heaven with a shout. The only way it's going to happen is churches like ours strategically, intentionally, faithfully get behind Bible translation and when we go upstairs, we'll learn it's not just, it doesn't end with Bible translation. That's just the beginning because someone's got to take it. Amen? Someone's got to take it. And to be honest with you, someone's got to go there to translate it. You can't do this sitting at home. Scholars can't do this in their office. Men and women, families, singles. You know, some of you may be highly... Uh, you know, it takes some, it takes some brains to translate the Bible. You can be used. You might never want to stand up and do what I'm doing here, but you could go and you could translate the word of God. That's what it's going to require. So let's go to the fourth fact. And here it is in Christ, God unleashes his church to reach the unreached in every language by the power of the spirit. Our triune God, the Father, through His Son Christ, unleashes His church to reach the unreached in every language. How? By the power of the Spirit. And there's no greater place to see that 
than in Acts chapter 2. So turn with me to Acts chapter 2, and let's look at verses 4 through 11. Acts chapter 2, 4 through 11. I, I, I never get cease to get excited about the connection of all this. Let's look at it. As you know, Christ has come, and he's gathered around him a mere 120 disciples. After all that ministry and after all those multitudes, there's 120. They're gathered. He is risen, and he has said, Stay at Jerusalem and pray, and I will give you the Holy Spirit. And when I do, the church will be born And this is what happens. Verse 4. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. And unfortunately, in most of our English Bibles, that translation for that Greek word is tongues, when in fact all it means is languages. Languages. I'll show you why in a moment. Now, they were, now there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. So this meant more than likely that they all spoke Hebrew, but they also spoke Greek and all these other languages from these other countries. In fact, some of these Jewish people probably struggled to speak Hebrew anymore because they had been so adapted to these other cultures. So notice what happens. And when the when the sound occur, uh, when the sound occurred, the crowd came together. They were bewildered because they were each one hearing them speak in his own language. And this word is a different word than the first word in verse four. It means dialect in their own dialect, their own distinct language. So we know that in verse four, it's not about charismatic. Uh, you know, gobbledygook babbling. It's languages that are all these different dialects. They were amazed and astonished. How do we know this? Why are not why are not all these who are speaking Galileans? In other words, these are Galileans. They shouldn't know these languages. And how is it that we each hear them in our own language to which we were born? There's the proof in our own dialect that we were born with. Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the districts of Libya around Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them in our own tongues. Again, it should be languages speaking the mighty deeds of God. I mean, you just had a world tour of all the nations of the earth and all their different dialects. But what is God teaching us in Acts 2? That God, by His Spirit, through His church, can overcome the curse of Babel to bring the gospel to the nations that are scattered. And when we bring the gospel to them in their own dialects, preferably their heart language, they will come to be born again and be restored in the image of Christ. And they will be image bearers. Genesis 1. 
And God's purposes will be fulfilled because no longer do those who are born again live for their own purposes. They live for God's purposes. They live not to use technology to satisfy our lusts and our greed and our sloth. We use technology to further the gospel and proclaim the fame of his name. Man, that's just good stuff. Listen, in Christ, in Christ, God unleashes the church to reach the unreached in every language by the power of the Spirit and reverse the curse of the Tower of Babel. Now, I run in a lot of different mission circles, and there's some uh, Christians, I'm just letting you know, there's some Christians, they're, they're good people. I think they're wrong. They think this. They don't think Acts two is like speaking directly to Babel. But I don't see how you can't see that. And I hope I've shown you from the Bible what's happening there. So let me say just three observations about this statement, and simply this: in Acts two. When the church was born, this was done in the miraculous means of people by the Holy Spirit, Galileans who did not know language, suddenly speaking another language. How many would like the Spirit to give you this gift besides Randy? Okay, how many, how many of you would like it, right? Would this, would this not be glorious, Randy? Oh, I, why am I talking to you? Esther, would that not be glorious if, if, if he had that? Yes, it would be wonderful. I mean, can you imagine you just meet someone? And it's not Google Translate, it's, it's the Holy Spirit just telling you how to read. And you know what? Some scholars think that word for dialect in Acts comes all the way down to the accent that they're speaking. And listen, you can't speak someone's heart language and really say you've mastered their language until you speak with that when you lose your accent. And you, isn't that amazing? The Holy Spirit can do that. But that miracle was temporary. It was temporary, and today God still performs this miracle of reversing the curse of Babel, but he does it through Bible translation. And he does it through the hard work that Mitch talked about of learning the language. But you say, well, I'll never be a missionary, and I can't learn another language, and I get that. Biggest reason I'm not a missionary is I, I, I'm just bad. I tried. I wanted to. And God said, no, you're going to stay, and you're going to be a mobilizer. But the reality is you can be involved, and you who are involved with Mark for the Maconde here at LifeBridge, you're a part of reversing that curse. Amen? And we're getting that translation into the heart language of the Maconde people. And let me just throw this out. I'm probably committing class suicide here. Um, The Maconde came from Mozambique, migrated into Tanzania. So they're on both sides. Some are in Mozambique, some are in Tanzania. But do you realize that there's a different dialect of Maconde in Mozambique than across the border in Tanzania? Our translation is in uh, Tanzanian Maconde, not Mozambique, because Mitch said, hey, I'm talking to a Mokande guy who said the Bible was uh, published in Mokande in 2013. Was something, what's going on? I said, well, that's Mozambique. 
that's not Tanzanian dialect. So that's kind of interesting. Well, let me end with this, this final fact, and it's this. God has given us everything to reach every language with the gospel of Jesus Christ. God has given us everything to reach every language. So to end here today, let me, let me end with Revelation 5, 9, and 10 again. Revelation 5, 9, and 10. And they sang a new song saying, Worthy, worthy are you to take the book and to break its seals. Why? For you were slain and purchased for God with your blood people from every tribe and language and people group and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to our God, and they will reign on the earth. Listen, here's my point. The triune God has given himself and given us everything we need to accomplish these purposes. God gave his only begotten son to reach every language with the gospel. Jesus gave his life on the cross to reach every language with the gospel. Jesus gave his spirit to the church to reach every language with the gospel. How can we, God's people, do anything less than give all that we have for all that he is because he is worthy? Amen? That's that's the challenge. God's heart still longs for zero languages without his word. He still longs for that. And there's good news. And I I, I wish I could give you all the stats on this and all all the reading. I get confused. You go to this website, this website. But I want to say this. Language translation is accelerating at a speed and a pace like never before. And in 2020, during COVID, we reached a milestone of another 700 uh, uh, languages. Or the, Here it is. Let me read it. For the first time in 2020, the Bible has been translated in its entirety into more than 700 different languages. That means just over 5.7 billion people, around 80% of the world's population, now have the whole Bible in their mother tongue. It's accelerating. And what used to take a person's entire lifetime to translate the Bible can now happen in 10, 15, 20 years. The Mokande New Testament, they thought they were going to do it in four. They were a little excited, okay? 2011, 2015, we're going to be done. Then they said 2018. But in reality, 2021, 10 years, but it's complete. Not a lifetime in 10 years. And now they're working on the Old Testament. Isn't that exciting? And we get to be a part of that. And you can hear more about that. So come Wednesday, 7 p.m., starts our celebration. And just I hope this has stirred in you that God can use you and God can use our church in maybe ways that you haven't imagined. So let's pray. Father, we come and we talk to you in our language. And the beautiful thing is you understand us. And Father, we pray and really, again, set apart this week 
for you to do what only you can do. We thank you for the gift of language. We thank you for the gift of technology. We thank you, Lord, that you have placed us where we're at at this point in time in history. But, Lord, can we see the big picture? Show us the big picture of how we fit at this moment in this time. Even the struggles that we have. Even the burdens that we're bearing. Even the difficulties that we are facing. And they may increase in the weeks and months and years to come. But you have us have a pivotal place to be used for your purposes. Lord, I pray each person here will strive and seek to find that place, knowing that you have given them the grace to be remade in your image through the gospel of Jesus Christ. We want the world to know that. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said, amen. All right, good deal.